Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. So, this week we are talking about my pillar of the vision. Last week, Ty got up here, talked about her pillar. If you were not here for that, to hear her speak about that, she had a little card that she included in the bulletin. And we really would like all of you, if you haven't filled it out, we would like you to fill it out so that she has the information she needs from you about small groups and Mission Lab and all those various things. So if you can, just remember to do that. Now, to talk to you about my particular pillar today, I'd like to tell you a little story. This story is back from 2009 when I was first installed as the associate pastor of Pine Street Presbyterian Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. A lot of the people in the church, they came up to me after the service, and they said to me, you know, Alex, you're really, really lucky to be preaching in the same pulpit that was occupied by the great Fred Anderson. And I was like, I have no idea who that is, but that's wonderful. Thank you for letting me know that. I soon came to find that Fred Anderson, he was the pastor of Pine Street during the 1980s, and he became one of these heavy hitters in our denomination. Presently, Fred is the pastor of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. That's one of the big steeple churches in our denomination. You might know him because actually he's responsible for writing a number of hymns in our hymnal. So you might see his name down there next to that. He became known not only for his preaching, but also because he helped to establish a local mission in Harrisburg that was called Downtown Daily Bread. The impetus for Downtown Daily Bread was the fact that there was a lot of homelessness in Harrisburg, and the homeless had very few options at their disposal to lift them out of poverty. One of the big issues in Harrisburg during the 1980s is that it was super dangerous to live there. It was kind of like New York in the 1980s. There's a lot of places you didn't want to go, and when the sun went down in Harrisburg, everybody took off and got out of the city because there was actually a really high likelihood that you would actually get mugged or robbed. And one of the reasons why these homeless people would end up resorting to crime is because they needed money to feed themselves. And so the pastors, they all got together at a particular meeting, and they were throwing around this idea of a soup kitchen because they figured that if the homeless just had somewhere where they knew they could get a meal every single day, then there would be a lot less crime in the city. Now, Fred, he happened to be at this particular meeting, and he said, you know what? Pine Street can do that. They had this extra building off to the side that they owned in the city, which was rare in the middle of the city, and so they dedicated the bottom floor as a kitchen. A few core members of Pine Street, they got together, and they started working on preparing meals every single day, and Downtown Daily Bread, or DDB, as it became known, was a 365-day-a-year soup kitchen. They served lunch every single day from 12.30 to 1.30. And as time went on, more and more people from the congregation got involved until just about everybody had some role to play. Now, eventually, this thing got to be so big that they needed to hire somebody to run this organization. And so they brought in this woman. Her name is Elaine Strokoff. I worked very closely with her. And she transformed DDB from a soup kitchen into a full-service operation with 
showers and lockers for the homeless. She helped to bring in psychologists and social workers to help them find employment and housing options. Now, Elaine, because she's Jewish, she also brought in a lot of the synagogues from the area, and she started having other churches get involved until it became this kind of thing that everybody in Harrisburg took part in. Now, after 15 years of her working really, really hard and fundraising, it became the most important organization in the city for serving the poor and the homeless. Now, that was great, right? You want something like that to become a success. But eventually, because of its success, Pine Street, the church where I used to work, it became divorced from the day-to-day operations of downtown Daily Bread. We didn't really do that much anymore. And so many people in the church, they had no idea that DDB had even become more than a soup kitchen. No concept of it. And so because they had become divorced from the mission, they didn't really have any purpose, no energy, no drive, Nothing that really inspired them to do much. And so they'd come to service on Sunday morning. They'd hear these messages, and then they wouldn't do anything else with it during the week because they had no real options at their disposal. I do believe that one of the most important reasons why the church exists is not for this, what you're coming to on Sunday mornings, but actually as an outlet so that you all have an opportunity to live out your faith. I do not believe that it is enough for us to come here on Sunday morning and listen to beautiful music and an inspiring message and then do nothing. I have been very explicit with you all in the past that I do not believe that God expects us to simply sit back and wait for the world to fix itself. God has entrusted us with that responsibility. When I first got here, do you all remember there was a video that I made with John Welsenbach and it was played ad nauseum on the screens over and over and over again? Do you all remember that? Okay. If you don't, I can always show it to you again. So the whole purpose of that video was to tell you about my vision for the church. And I said, I want us to become a Matthew 25 kind of church. Now, Matthew 25 is what we just read today. And in Matthew 25, it portrays this very interesting scene where Jesus is judging the world. And he's placing people into two separate categories. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. A sheep or a goat. And I'm not saying that you all are goats over here, okay? (laughs) Just saying, there's two categories. Now, the sheep are the ones who did what Jesus asked them to do. The goats are the ones who did not. And the criteria that Jesus uses to determine whether or not you are a sheep or a goat is, did you feed the hungry? Did you give drink to the thirsty? Did you welcome the stranger? Did you clothe the naked? Did you care for the sick? Did you go and visit those who were in prison? And then Jesus says at the end of all that, that if you do that for the least in society, then by transitive effect, you are doing that for him. You are serving Jesus. Now, what I find to be so interesting about those verses is that nowhere in there does Jesus mention faith. He doesn't say anything about faith or belief. Basically, what he's saying is, if you want to be a sheep, it's all based on what you do, your actions. Now, that's kind of hard for us in the Protestant church. 
I did this at the first service. Nobody knew what the motto of the Protestant church was, which is kind of funny. But Protestants, do you know what it means to be a Protestant? You are a Protestant. You all just became Protestants. Do you know what a Protestant is? A Protestant is someone who protested against the Catholic Church 500 years ago. So that's our tradition. That just means all you did was you protested. And the big motto of our particular type of church is saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. Now what does that even mean? Right? Because that's a good question. Because I didn't know what it meant when I first heard it. Saved by grace through faith means you cannot earn your salvation through good works. You get to heaven by belief. By belief. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because in this scripture that we just read, that's not what it's saying at all. And so many pastors, they have a problem when they get to this verse. And I've heard so many pastors preach about this particular verse. And what they always end up doing is this little thing where they'll say, well, the reason why Jesus doesn't talk about faith and belief is because he assumes that if you believe it, you're actually going to be living it out. I think that assumption is ridiculous, personally. And let me tell you why. Because if I read this scripture correctly, what he's saying is, in order to be a sheep, all you need to do is serve the least and the lost. There's nothing in that section about you having to believe anything. It doesn't even mean you have to be a Christian. And I find that to be rather ironic because I don't know about you, but most of the people who I know who actually serve the least and the lost, like they aren't Christian at all. They aren't even religious. In my experience, some of the least likely people to actually serve the least and the lost, the least likely people to actually do what Jesus asks in Matthew 25 are Christians, ironically enough. Now, I'm not trying to say that everybody in here is bad at all. Please stay. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that we don't tend to live out the message that we are supposed to preach. And the reason why is because of this whole saved by grace through faith, right? Because if it's all about belief, then I don't really need to do anything, do I? It's all about what I believe in the long run. But if I read this correctly, that's not right. Jesus expects a lot more from us than simple belief. Jesus expects us to live out our faith in the world and that is what we are here to talk about today. How are we going to do that? When I was at Pine Street, because we had become so divorced from the mission of Downtown Daily Bread, I decided, you know what? It is time for us to do something different. So I created this process to figure out what possibly could we do. And the process was broken down into three steps. If you came out to my visioning sessions, you know what these steps are but I need to go over them again briefly. So what's the first step? Who remembers the first step in the process? Brainstorming. Somebody was listening. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Last service, everybody just stared at me, and I'm like, half of you were at the visioning thing. Do you really not remember? All right, so brainstorming. That's the first step. So on January 14th, 2015, that's a Wednesday night here, 7 o'clock in this sanctuary. You can come out and give your ideas for ways that we can serve the least and the lost. We need you to do that. And you're not going to be judged. Come out. Give your idea. I don't care how outside the box it is. We need ideas. So come out and do that. I'm never going to tell you what that date is again, so you need to remember it today. Okay? January 14th, 2015. 
7 o'clock, sanctuary. From those ideas, we're going to have you all get, well, basically all those ideas, we're going to put them all together, and then we're going to form these things called research teams. Now, the research teams, they're going to take an idea, and they're going to go out and try to find already made programs that are doing these things. So let me give you a for instance. Let's say that somebody says, you know what we need to do? We need to be better at serving the poor and the homeless. Well, eventually this research team is going to find its way to this program called Journeys. Now, who in here has heard of Journeys before? Oh, some people have. That's good. <laughs> okay, Journeys. Whether or not you realize what it is, it is the premier organization in this area for serving the poor and the homeless. They oversee our PADS program. PADS, for anybody who doesn't know, is a program of churches all throughout the area that work to allow the homeless to stay in the church during the winter months so they don't freeze to death at night. Now, the first time I went to Journeys, I have to tell you, I was absolutely blown away by this organization. Journeys is like DDB, Downtown Daily Bread, on steroids, to be totally honest. So, what they do, they do it extremely well. To give you an idea of how good they are at their jobs, they prevent 10 to 11 people per week from losing their homes. Now, that's a big deal, because when you're on the cusp of losing your home, and if you lose it, that's a big downward spiral that you're about to get into. And it's really hard, once you don't have a place to live, to come back from that. 10 to 11 people per week, they prevent it. Six to seven people per week, they're finding employment, jobs for them. So you can help them with the housing side, but if they don't have actual income, that doesn't fix anything, right? You need income to pay the rent and to get food. And they do that, six to seven people per week. That's a big deal. That's much harder in some ways than the housing issue because jobs are limited, but they're good at it. They find jobs for people. They service 1,100 people per week, or per year, excuse me, coming through their doors all the time. This is a great organization. They do wonderful things. So the research team, they're going to go to Journeys, and they're going to sit down with the people who run it, and they're going to say, so if you had 850 people at your disposal, what would you do? What could we do? How could we help? And then they go back and forth on that. Now let's say Journeys didn't exist. Let's say it wasn't out there. It wasn't a program. Then they would come back and they would say, well, this program doesn't exist. How much is it going to cost for us to run it? How much is it going to cost for us to get everybody involved and to do the things that we need to do? If you would like to be part of one of these research teams, it is a limited amount of time. That's good for a lot of people, right? Where they know there's a limit because with church, it's almost like ongoing forever, right? So it's a limited amount of time. It's from January through September of this coming year, which basically means you'd be on a team, a group of people, you all would go out, you would research the things, and then you're going to do a presentation, or one of the people from your team would do a presentation come September of 2015. You follow me on this? Okay, so if you want to be a part of the research team, please let me know. Email me, or you can talk to Liz Armstrong out at the, out at the Welcome Center, okay? She'll, she'll sign you up. The research teams, what they're going to do is, they're going to do these presentations, and they're going to give you, out of all the things that they look at, the two best options that they came up with. And then, they're going to let you vote on that. Now, these options, all these options that you see, are going to be matched with all of your skills and your resources. And the way we're going to figure that out is, we're going to hand out 
a gift survey and everybody's going to have to fill it out and then we're going to know because we don't want to have some mission up here that doesn't match what you all can do. And so you get to vote. What is it that you like? Your top three options in September of 2015. And then from there, I'm going to work with a team of people. We're going to get this thing up and running by January, hopefully, of 2016. Now, Pine Street, what we ended up coming out of with this process was GED education. So in the city where we live, we were a couple miles away from the inner city of Harrisburg. The graduation rate there is 52%. 52%. You do the math backwards on that one, that means 48% of the people in Harrisburg do not end up with a high school diploma. Many of them realize very quickly that you can't even get a low-wage job without a high school diploma. And so a lot of them are coming back. They want to get their GED. And so we figured, you know what? At that church, we had no children. It's not like up here where you have all these kids. We had all these classrooms. They weren't being used for anything. And I said, you know what? Let's try to turn this thing around. We can change it into a GED center, an adult learning center. And the people there, because they were older, they all had college degrees. They didn't want to work with kids. It made sense with their gifts and their resources. Now, I actually got an email the other day, about two days ago, because I haven't really been too much in touch with them, and they told me that today, actually, and this was totally by happenstance, they're dedicating the Adult Learning Center there, and they're starting tomorrow. That's the first day that they're getting up and running with this. And that's a big deal for them because they need a mission like that. And I'm proud of them for all the work that they put forward. Now, we're not necessarily going to be creating a GED center here. We're not near an inner city. That may not be the issue that we have to deal with. But I just want to give you an idea of how it works. We match your skills, your resources, with the needs of the people in this area. The expectation, and this is really important that you know this, Every single person sitting in this room, there's an expectation that you will give one hour per month to this mission. You can give more than an hour, but one hour per month is the expectation. So if you want to say and how you're going to be spending that hour, then you probably want to come out on January 14th to give us some ideas. You also probably, if you really want to have a say, get on the research teams, but you've got to be here in September of 2015 to vote on it. Because if we don't have you voting on it, we don't know what your preferences are. We all clear on that? Okay. I've told you all in the past that I believe that the church, this place, it's like a training room. It's getting you ready to be able to go out into the world and build God's kingdom. In these walls, you learn how to love your enemy. Because let's be honest, we don't all get along, right? In these walls, you learn how to serve the poor. You learn how to forgive those who have harmed you. These are important things. And my role, I see my role as kind of being your spiritual coach, your leader, your trainer. I'm up here, I'm trying to give you the strength and the motivation to know that you can go out and build God's kingdom beyond these walls. Now when September of 2015 rolls around, that's two years of training. That's two years of hearing me yap every single week on Sunday morning. And at that point, I think it's time for us to stop talking the talk and start walking the walk. It's time for us to be counted among the sheep. I really want us to be a church that serves the least and the lost. I want us to be known in the community 
for our service. When people talk about us, what I want them to say more than anything else is, that's the church that cares. That's the church that really tries to make a difference in this world. I want you all to be proud of what we do here. I want you to be proud that we actually do the things that Jesus asks us to do. I know that's shocking, right? I want you to be proud that you don't just come here on Sunday mornings, but that you live out your faith in the world. But most of all, I want you to be proud that you actually did your part to bring this mission to life. Without you, there is no kingdom in the world, and without you, there is no mission here at this church. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, that sounds pretty cool, Alex. It's a good thing you have all these other people around because I'm not going to be a part of it. No, 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 no. Not going to fly. I need everybody in here to be involved. That's the bar. It needs to happen because that's what we're going to be about. So as you leave here today, my hope and my prayer for you is that you might take this mission very seriously. My hope and prayer is that you would reflect on what Jesus is asking of you through Matthew 25. How God is calling you to use your time and your resources to make this mission a reality so that we can serve the least and the lost. We have a lot of work to do. May God give us the strength to be counted among the sheep. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.